Welcome to the podcast, Your Time with James Sweetman. Hello and welcome to this week's episode of my podcast. Thanks as ever for tuning in. This week I'm following up on the theme from last week, which was all about the topic of career change. You know, as mentioned last time, it's a topic that I know is relevant to many people. It's one that I think always raises its head, particularly at the beginning of the year. It's an area that I work with clients on fairly frequently too. And as I also mentioned last week, I, I do think when we get through this horrendous COVID crisis, you know, a time when we've all been reminded of what's important, we'll seek to take back control. And one of the areas that we'll explore is career fulfillment and how we are spending our time. You know, so if you've been, say, liberated from spending hours a day in the car commuting, you're not going to give that up lightly, you know, especially when you can work as productively or even more productively from home. You know, we're going through way too much in these last few months to simply return to uh, life and business as usual. So if you've not checked out last week's episode, of course, you can access it on my website or by scrolling through the library of past episodes on my uh, page on your podcast provider. You know, last time I explored some of the, the push and pull factors at play when we feel stuck. And at the close of last week's episode, I shared four tips for helping you navigate a path forward. Well, this week I have another 10 for you. But by way of a brief recap, when we feel stuck, you know, the first thing we can do is to acknowledge that a change is trying to take place. You know, at minimum, it's a way to reframe the situation you're in. You know, our job here is to be a cooperative component in that change. But so often our own limiting beliefs and old habits hinder us. When I work with people in this area, the most common question I hear is, what should I do? I'm seeking clarity. But let's remember that clarity is not certainty. Clarity is how we see, the lens through which we view the world. Last time I used the analogy of the viewfinder in a pair of binoculars and pointing them in the at least rough direction that you want to go. Last week, I closed by speaking too about how we define success uh, what you want your working life to do for you, you know, at a level that is far deeper than just earning a salary. One of the best ways to identify your criteria for success was the last point I shared last time, which was all about contrast, you know, fine tuning what it is you want. Simply put, contrast is about brainstorming what you want more of and what you want less of. You're identifying the ingredients that, based on your past experience, you believe needs to be present for you to feel nourished and fulfilled at work. So this week, I have another 10 what I'm labeling handrails to share with you. These are a combination of ways to change perspective on your current situation, the challenges you cannot avoid when you're seeking to do work that is more meaningful to you, as well, of course, as some suggested exercises and action points. Uh, the first one, and I'm going to speak about this one for a, for a little bit, is all about getting calm and centered. You know, we want to be able to approach situations in any situation, really, but certainly the biggies like career change in a relaxed, considered way. We cannot make effective decisions from a place of frustration or stress. And I found when we do, you know, when we act or make decisions from this negative space, they tend to be counterproductive. Um, we're reacting to circumstances around us instead of making proactive, thought-through decisions. There are two voices in our heads, you know, the gremlin voice and the voice are in our wisdom. 
It's the gremlin voice. That's the one that focuses on the worst case scenarios, the one that talks us down. It's the mouthpiece of our perceived lack of worthiness, where we feel like a fraud, imposter syndrome, and fear the judgment of others. The voice of our inner wisdom is only audible when we're quiet. You know, it's that soft voice that says, you'll get through this. What's the worst that can happen? This too will pass. One of the patterns I found over the years when working with clients in this area is that when you leave one place of work without a pause or what I label a time to decompress and without harnessing the learning from recent experiences, especially if the if the last working chapter of your life closed in difficult circumstances, you know, odds are the same patterns will repeat themselves in a new working environment because it's still the same you showing up. Uh, we often come across this in the context of personal relationships, you know, where people continue to date or, in, or, or, or are in relationship, you know, with different people. But it's always the same character or personality type with the same issues that they're involved with. Sometimes, you know, we just need time out to rest and recharge and clear our heads. I like to use the term here congruence, you know, where we align our head, heart and soul and harness the wisdom of each. Remember, your inner wisdom is your constant and strongest ally. It's that part of you that remains unchanged throughout your lifetime. It's that deep-seated wisdom that continues to guide you at those key moments in your life. I often ponder the question myself, what would my life be like if I just trusted that inner wisdom a little more? One of the main causes of confusion, um, and this always raises its head when we're thinking about options when it comes to career change, is the excess, excess input or the opinions of others. But of course, ultimately, we're the only ones who know what is right for us. When we're connected with our inner wisdom, everything can seem simpler. We feel more ourselves and we can even feel a sense of possibility or perhaps even guided Calming down, pausing, getting congruent will always involve silence, quietening the external voices and noise in an attempt to quiet the internal noise and voices. And it will also involve more purposeful breathing. Now, breathing is a topic that I've spoken on many times, you know, and how sighs are a request to change our breathing patterns when we're frustrated or a yawn when we're feeling tired or nervous. There are so many different ways that we can take more conscious control of our breathing. Uh, one that I found particularly helpful in, in recent times uh, as a way to center myself is recognizing the breath has four stages to it. So it's like you're breathing in, there's a pause at the top, exhaling and then a pause at the bottom and sometimes if we just pay a little bit more attention to those four stages it's a way for us to quieten the mind and connect with our inner wisdom so i've started speaking about this one today about being centered or calm or aligned because really it's only from that space that we can uh, make quality decisions the next point I'm sharing with you is what I label character, you know, where it's not really about the what, but the who. So let me explain this one a little further. By far the most common question that I'm asked by clients in this area or that maybe people ponder themselves is, well, what should I do? What should I do now? What should I do next? The focus is all on doing. But of course, as I've said many times, we're human beings. We're not human doings. I also like the um, Einstein quote here, you know, the same level of thinking that created the issue won't resolve it. So if we're focused solely at a doing level, we need to take it up a notch up to the being level. 
So a very powerful question to ask ourselves, one that's that's much more useful and maybe wisdom seeking than what should I do is the question, who do I want to become? Now, that's not a question that we can answer easily. You know, maybe an alternative one to ponder with it is what aspects of my personality do I want to express more frequently? Or maybe who do I want to be in this situation as I explore career options and making changes in my life? So we're looking to lean into some of the the qualities, traits, uh, personality characteristics that that make us feel just more like ourselves. Or maybe another question in this character segment is what approach or decisions or actions would make me feel most proud about myself? You know, if we're talking about fulfillment and that's really what we're looking at here career fulfillment i like to play with the word fulfillment and if you reverse it you've got filled full well filled full of what maybe it's filled full of the values the things that are important to me in life maybe it's filled full of qualities aspects of my personality that um uh, that make me feel most like myself You know, the way you get that derogatory phrase, you know, well, look at him, he's so full of himself. Well, maybe there's a hidden compliment in there somewhere. You know, who else would we be full of? Sentiments I often hear from people who are contemplating career change are something like, you know, I wish I had the confidence to change jobs or I wished I believed in myself more. And these are understandable and very human. But what I've discovered is it's not usually confidence we're seeking, but courage. Think about driving a car for the first time or driving a car on holidays, as an example. It's not confidence that gets you behind the wheel. It's courage. Courage is what you earn on the far side of having taken some action, even though you were a little scared. In films, courage is usually depicted in the midst of explosions and epic deeds. But in real life, courage is not found in such heroic quests. We find our courage when we're alone with our thoughts and maybe struggling with uncertainty. It's in those moments when without fanfare or applause, we make a courageous decision. We draw a line in the sand and say no more, or we quietly decide to give something a go. One of the simplest ways of accessing our reserves of courage is to recall times in the past when you exercised courage, when you overcame a challenge, when you acted in spite of being nervous or worried. You know, it's a cliche, but if we're looking for something different, we have to approach situations differently. We have to take actions and we do this by just being a little bit braver, a little bit more courageous. The next point is all about facing our concerns head on, using some of our courage to do it. You know, it's human to worry. Without worry or anxiousness, we're not emotionally invested and we're probably complacent or cynical. You know, but worry is the polite term for fear and we have to be brave enough to look at these worries and fears head on. Here's a selection of what I see people write on flip charts fairly consistently when we're looking to identify concerns uh, that raise their heads when we're seeking to make changes. You know, I won't find an ideal job. I won't find a new job. I won't earn enough. I won't be able to pay the mortgage. I won't find anything better. There's no point in trying. I'm too old to change. Companies aren't hiring people my age. I'm overqualified. I'm underqualified. I'll be starting over. I'll be irresponsible. You know, these are all human and it's good to get them out on a page, as I usually say, and to look at them from a from a different perspective. What we then do is apply the truth test, because as we all know, the truth will set you free. You know, you take each one in turn and you just really ponder 
and consider, is it really true? You're using the, the blunt rational mind to face these emotional concerns head on. Another simple but powerful distinction I like to make here is the difference between worry and caring. You know, of course, we care about our commitments and making the best decisions we can and not letting ourselves or others down. And it might sound like semantics, but what I find is when we shift, you know, even say using the phrase I'm worried about or I'm anxious about to I care about, you know, we're retaining the emotional investment, but maybe that, you know, that heaviness in the pit of our stomach just somehow feels a little lighter. So point number five, we're at the halfway point, is comfort zone. Now, comfort zone is something I've spoken about many times. It's very relevant when we're looking at change in any context, including in the context of career. You know, we will often feel uncomfortable enough about a situation to moan about it, but not yet uncomfortable enough to do actually anything about it. Better the devil you know, you have to remember, is the motto for our comfort zone. You know, any change you instigate would involve moving beyond your comfort zone. And let's remember, comfort zone has a border to it, an emotional border, you know, guarded by emotions such as worry, nervousness, self-consciousness. You know, they're the, the patrol guards, as I usually phrase them. Outside your comfort zone, of course, is the learning zone, that big blue ocean of potential where possibility and opportunity is found as well as behavioural and attitudinal habits. We also have the habit of how we self-identify, you know, how we view ourselves that sits within our comfort zone. And sometimes what I found is that this is the, the, the trickier area for people to work on when they're seeking career change, because it usually involves a reassessment of how we view ourselves, you know, where we get curious around our own capabilities and what's possible for us. And that's why a little earlier I mentioned character. You know, who do I want to be in this situation? It's not just what do I want to do? Point number six is one of my favourites. It's about contemplating curiosity. You know, this is often the first step, getting curious as to what's possible for us. You know, we're not thinking about how something can come to pass. We're just, you know, putting on our imagination hats again and doing a little bit of dreaming or daydreaming, giving ourselves permission to dream you know, to harness our creative mindset. Here's a few questions to mull over, and they're ones that can be used in different contexts, but obviously today we're using them in, in, the, in the situation of career change. You know, if the world was working perfectly for you, uh, what would you do? You know, or if you listened just a little bit more to your own inner wisdom, those whispers that have been there for a while, what would you focus on? If you weren't as self-conscious, what would you do? And one of my favourites, you know, if I knew the world was eager to support me and I couldn't fail, what would I do? Let's remember, of course, that no one other than you will know what is right for you. Um, I often think when we look at children play and having fun, they're, you know, they're harnessing their imagination, they're curious about everything, they're asking loads of questions. And it's that sort of mindset that maybe we just have to lean into a little more at the start of our journey to make some um, career change.
Something else I want to delve into now is the whole topic of co-creation. Now, this is something that maybe is new to you, or maybe you've not heard it in the context of perhaps some of the areas I've spoken on before in previous podcasts. But when I'm working with people on career fulfillment, career change, it's something that I always bring to the table, especially if the client is open to work in this area. So here's an analogy for you. Think of a farmer sowing seeds. You know, the farmer decides the seeds to sow, the the what uh, he or she wants to plant in their environment. They will nurture the soil. But of course, you know, it's not the farmer who does the growing. Life or God grows the seeds. The, The farmer has the belief that the seed will grow and that different seeds will have different rates of growth. And the farmer avoids overthinking and over-evaluating. They also avoid excavating the seeds and holding them up and thinking, why aren't you growing faster or according to my time schedule? They don't give up on the seeds. You know, it's an interesting analogy, but it's one I often share on, um, say, goal-setting type workshops. You know, my personal belief is that I work in a 50-50 partnership with the power that creates worlds. You know, I ensure I take 100% ownership of my 50%, which mainly involves having a clear intention and trying as best I can to control my response to the uncontrollable. Of course, it depends on your own beliefs. But from my experience, if I get clear on the what, you know, the what it is I want, I'll make sure I leave space for the how, you know, for the co-creation part, for the universe, for God, for the power that creates worlds to step in and support me. You know, and if we go even deeper with this, you know, what I find is that the the end result of what it is we're looking for exists first in vibration. You know, an example of that might be how the DNA of an oak tree, even an entire forest of oak trees exists in an acorn. So if I'm at least open to the concept of co-creation, you know, when, when I uh, give myself permission to sort of look after where I have control and then trust and let life, you know, fill in the gaps, as it were, to support me. Um, you know, it's it's not about, you know, striving until you arrive. It's not about efforting. Uh, any action you take would be inspired action. Point number eight is about contribution. What I found is that true success and fulfillment will always involve contributing to society in a positive way. It's about adding value. It's about being of service, but not being servile, making the world a better, richer place because you're sharing your talents that are unique to you. Ultimately, we all like to know and feel that we're making a difference, that there's a sense of legacy. Uh, you know, if we contemplate it, you know, what contribution to the world is uniquely yours? It's said that we all have unique fingerprints. You know, no one then has the same package of skills, strengths, preferences, personality traits that you have. Your story is unique. The challenges you've overcome are unique. Whilst you may not have the exact detail of your calling, you know, if I use that word, uh, there will always be an element of contribution in it. There will always be a sense of being of service to others because that ultimately gives us the most satisfaction, the greatest sense of fulfillment. So we're nearly there. Don't worry, I'll be doing a quick recap on some of these points that I've been sharing with you this week. Um, And one or two more practical ones to close with. You know, for me, change ultimately is all about conversations. You know, they're new conversations with ourselves, with others. Um, Conversations are the mechanics of change, as I usually phrase it. You know, all change happens because we have different conversations with people 
And of course, maybe we start by having different conversations with our heads in our own heads. And that's perhaps a lot of what I've been covering to date. You know, that internal dialogue, you know, where I ask myself, how can I empowering questions as opposed to what if worrying questions? You know, I lean into empowered thinking as opposed to contingency thinking. I'm putting a little bit more effort into what I'm focusing on. Maybe I'm also thinking about the conversations I can have with other people. You know, who could I contact? Who could I reach out to? Who could I email? Who could I just arrange to have a a cup of coffee with via Zoom these days, of course? You know, who's in my network? You know, what referrals could I seek? Whose advice could I seek? You know, who am I connected to on social media? Uh, Who could I connect with on social media? You know, very few things are achieved in isolation. Um, um, It's all about conversations and maybe even collaboration. Um, So if you just think about that on your own network, if you're seeking change, who could you instigate a new conversation with? You know, it might be simply, you know, reaching out to a recruitment consultant or a different conversation with your manager around the work you're doing or a coach or a friend or a partner. Of course, sometimes, too, we'll put off having a conversation that we know we need to have. So before I share the final point this week, let me do a quick recap on some of these tips and um, uh, factors that are involved when we're seeking career change. The first one was calmness. I spoke about that for a while because it's so important to get ourselves into a calm, congruent, aligned state because we cannot make good decisions from a place of stress or frustration. It's also how we access our inner wisdom. Then there was the piece around character. So we're focused on being as opposed to doing, you know, replacing the what should I do question with who do I want to become. Then there was courage and how courage is really the quality that's required when we're looking to instigate any change. Then we were being brave enough and harnessing some of that courage to identify head on some of our concerns, some of the things that I'm worried about. And maybe I can acknowledge them and care about them, but not um, get caught up in them. Then there was the piece around comfort zone and how all change means uh, pushing our comfort zone into the learning zone, into that space where new opportunities reside. Being aware, too, of course, that when we're pushing comfort zone, we'll always feel self-conscious. Then it was to connect with that childlike quality again of curiosity, a little bit of brainstorming around what's possible for you. What are some of the choices that are available to you? I gave the analogy of the farmer sowing the seeds when I was speaking about co-creation, focusing on the what and let life support you with the how. Um, acknowledging then that, you know, everything that we we do when we're looking for greater levels of career fulfillment will always involve a sense of, of contribution, a sense of being of service to others. And then the practical side of change, the mechanics of change, really comes down to having new conversations, conversations that, that start in our own heads, but then we reach out to others, maybe in our network, uh, people that we know will support us in what it is we're attempting to do. So the final point this week on our discussions around career change and moving beyond feeling stuck um, is commitment. And I leave this one till the end uh, purposefully. You know, it's perhaps the most powerful word that begins with the letter C that I've shared with you both this week and last week. We can start by just asking ourselves, what am I committing to over the next three or six months? You know, am I committing to instigating some new conversations? You know, am I committed to um, getting curious and exploring options? 
You know, what promises am I making to myself? What new habits or rituals do I want to form where maybe I'll spend a little time working on not just in my career? You know, what consistent action can I take that will help me progress in a specific direction? You know, we all know the phrase that if nothing changes, everything stays the same. You know, while some people make radical changes in their lives, most of us, especially those of us with responsibilities, take regular small steps, which over time leads to the change we seek. As I always say, we dream big, but we start small. Sometimes this involves consciously spending more time pursuing an interest at a weekend or getting a new business off the ground by working on it at night. It usually means doing some research, arranging to connect with people or volunteering to gain some experience. It will always mean making a concerted effort to push comfort zone and to do something new. When we make the decision to take action, you know, even baby steps, that's the surest way of taking back control and feeling a little bit more proactive in our lives. One of the things that I always say to clients when I work with them in this area and when they, you know, they instigate some baby steps, watch out for some coincidences. You know, I've often found that coincidences are really evidence, universal winks, as I phrase them, that you're on the right track and that life is responding to you. When we make a commitment to ourselves, we then look at the choices available to us or the choices that we can create through new conversations. I don't believe that the world is cruel to sow a seed of a desire or a dream or a calling in you and not to support you on that journey. Personally, I believe that with vision comes provision. It's that famous Paolo Coelho quote from The Alchemist, at the moment of commitment, the universe conspires to assist you. You can take a step in a new direction, guided by your intuition and emotions and fueled by that inner knowing that something better is calling you. And that familiar discomfort of your current situation can now become a growing pain as you evolve towards the, the fullest, truest expression of yourself. So there's been a lot of information in this week's episode and last week's as well. Um, I hope you have found it uh, useful and helpful and at minimum helps you reframe a situation you're in if you're feeling stuck or you find yourself in a career transition. More information about me, James Sweetman, is available on my website. You'll also be able to access all the, the back library of podcast episodes there too. And there's a lot more information on my site about career change and interview skills and, and many of the other areas that are relevant when we're, when we're seeking to make change. So thanks again for tuning in and until next week.